This week's episode sponsored for dailygiving.org, a great organization that gives out a dollar a day on your behalf to tons of worthy organizations. I love it because I know every day someone's giving a dollar from me. Check it out, dailygiving.org, dailygiving.org. So we're about to enter into the holiest day of the year, Yom Kippur. And if you've ever been involved with the program before, you know that there's a lot of thought that goes into the opening moments, right? Programs are like flights. It's really all about takeoff and landing. And when you have a program, even if it's like, you know, a school program, Olympic, something, is a very important opening moment. It sets the tone. It frames the event. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. We're entering into the holiest day of the year. And the rabbis scripted the day for us to the moment. I mean, if there's ever a day that's fully scripted, it's Yom Kippur. And when you show up at Yom Kippur, there's an opening moment. Everybody shows up, well-fed, well-rested, ready to go. This was more prevalent in normal years, like last year, but either way. The chaz and the cantor gets up in front of everybody. The hush falls on the crowd, and he says the first words that will be the opening event on Yom Kippur, and he opens with Kol Nidre. It's a prayer that you only hear once a year. You never hear it again. It never shows up anywhere. And it's basically a prayer that asks God to take all of our vows. And the vows that they've quoted are vows you never heard of in your whole life. Even if you study Talmud, you never hear of most of these vows. Kuname, kunase. It's a constant stream of these random vows. And we ask God to annul them. That's the opening moment. No problem with that. Like, really? That's the opening moment? Like, that's it? You can't pick anything more inspiring than that? I mean, how about Shema Yisrael? How about Hashem Huelakim? God, Hashem is God. How about, I don't know, like a million other things that we have that we say all the time? Like, you can't think of anything more inspiring to frame the moment of the holiest day in the year than some prayer on vows that I don't know what this is. I probably didn't take one of those. Why am I even here for? And we just got started. What's going on? So I just gave this talk, this story over to a a program in Momentum did. But I want to tell you the full story. I have the good fortune every year God's help, we should continue to go to Israel with 200 of the most incredible guys from around the world. Many of the guys never been to Israel before. Every year I'm blown away by so many of the guys. And every year there's something that happens that just knocks my socks off. So one year I'm at a trip. and It's Wednesday. And the way the trip basically rolls is that we're up north for two days. We come down to Jerusalem and then Wednesday night's really the first time that I have a chance to breathe from the beginning of the trip on Monday. And outside the hotel that I'm staying in, there's a deck. I try on Wednesday to like go outside and take a breath and like think through the rest of the trip. 
and I'm outside on the deck and I see one of the guys in the trip finishing up a very intense phone call. And he's done. He comes over to me and he says, do you mind if I sit? I said, sure, please, you know? So he sits down. I thought you could you not. He sits down, looks at me. I'm like, hi. He goes, I separated from my wife. I'm like, okay, I'm Charlie. Like, <laughs> sure. Like, no, there was no like runway to that line. He just, just, it was like a helicopter. He just dropped the bomb. I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. Let's talk about this. So he says, do you mind if I, I'm like, yeah, sure. No, I don't mind anymore. Like you just, let's, let's have this conversation. So he says, I got on the trip to be honest with you. And I didn't want to come. I'm like, okay. He said, five years ago, my business that he was running basically collapsed. I don't remember the details, but he had a business and it fell apart and he went through a lot of financial challenges. And he said the challenges in finance only was the first bit. Really, he was, he brought that home and his wife and him start, he started to bring it home. And as a result, he started to increase the tension in his family and they started fighting and as opposed to sort of coalescing together, they just started drifting apart. And his wife got pregnant. He thought that, that it would be a great thing. It would bring them together with a new child. And it would be, you know, but when his child was born, he had really severe health issues. He didn't detail them, but that's what he said. And it, it only made it more tense. Treatments and doctors and responsibilities and, and, and sort of who's doing what and where. It was a whole, it only added more drama and more fuel to the fire and at some point, it got too much. And they decided to separate. He moved out of the house. And a buddy of his who had gone on a trip years before, who had come back on a trip in a, in a role called the Madrich, was pushing him. You got to come, you got to come, you got to come, you got to come, you got to come. And he's like, I'm not going to Israel. Like, you out of your mind? Like, I'm not mad at God. Like, I'm all pro-God. But like, I haven't said hello since Hebrew school. Like, we're good. If I'm leaving my life, I'm going to an island somewhere. Like, I'm not going to Israel. But persistence really does work. And he's pushing, and he's pushing, and he's pushing. And the guy goes, fine, I'll come. So he lands in Israel. And in the second day that we're there, we get to go up to Tzfat. And in Tzfat, there is the mikvah of the Arizal. It's, a, it's the holiest mikvah in the world. And we get the opportunity for those that want to really immerse in this spiritual reset button. That could change your soul. It's like a cold plunge, but spiritually, physically and spiritually. A lot of guys do it. And he says, I was about to go down and do this plunge. And as the guys were walking down, he sort of like faked, had to go to the restroom and then he ditched. And he sort of like met up with them later. And they were all talking about how powerful it was and how meaningful it was. And he's on the bus and he's thinking to himself, how did I miss this? Like, I'm always the guy that jumps in first of this stuff. Like, I always jump in the pool first. I'm always the one coming up with these ideas. Like, I'm here at the holy city of Svat probably once in my life. How did I miss this? He's thinking about it all day. 
Next day we go to the Western Wall. What we do on the Western Wall is we we don't speak to God like in a siddur with Hebrew words. We try to talk to God from our hearts in English. So we go to the wall, all of us together, we put our hands on the wall and we say, hi, dad. And we just have a real conversation with God. And the whole group is walking down to the wall and he's walking with the group. And he's saying to me now, he's saying, I feel nothing. The guy to my right is like overwhelmed. The guy to my left is so moved and I feel like nothing. I have nothing. I'm thinking to myself, if you show up in Israel and you miss the wall, man, come on. Are you like spiritually God? Like what's wrong with you? It's the wall, something. And he gets the wall and he just won't put his hand on that wall. Stands by the wall and he just starts to think about his life. And he puts as he's thinking about his life, he thinks about his grandfather, his grandpa, he says. And he loved his grandfather. He misses his grandfather, he told me. And he just thought about his life and how much he'd go to him for everything and how he needs him more than ever now. And he says, well, if I don't know how to connect to God, I want to at least speak to my grandfather. I know he's up there. And he takes both of his hands and he puts it on the wall. And he starts saying, Grandpa, I need you. I need you. I don't know what's going on with me, man. Grandpa, I need you. 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 And as he's saying that, he starts to feel an emotion build up. And he starts to cry. Uncontrollably crying. He said, I haven't cried in five years. And I, I can't stop. So much so that I was so embarrassed that I took my hat and I put it over my eyes. I didn't want the guys next to me to see, but I couldn't stop it. It was unstoppable. And he's thinking about his grandfather and he's hearing his grandfather's voice come to him. And his grandfather would always tell him growing up, his grandfather, every time he had an issue, his grandfather would say, just be you. Just be you. You're awesome. You'll figure it out. Just be you. And he's hearing, just be you, just be you. He's like, Grandpa, what does that mean? Just be you, just be you. He's like, what does that mean? He's at the wall, two hands on the wall, crying, hearing, just be you, not knowing what that advice even is. But he's just so moved by the whole experience. Finally, like he calms down. And by that point, everyone has already passed the wall. They're already back going to dinner and whatever. And he sort of waves the guys off as I'm out, like I'm good. And he sort of walks back from the wall to the hotel, which is walking distance. And he's thinking, just be you, just be you. And he gets back to the hotel and he goes right to the deck. And he calls his wife. And she picks up the phone and she's surprised. And he goes, hi. And she goes, hi. And he goes, before you say anything, I want to let you know one thing. It's my fault. I stopped being me thrown by the whole business. It hit me at a place that it was so emotional. I felt like a failure. I felt like I wasn't good enough and strong enough. I felt like I couldn't do the basic thing, like maintain this company. I felt like I was failing you and the kids. And I, and I, and I hardened the blocks. And I stopped being me. 
I haven't been me in a long time. And I want to tell you, he tells his wife, that if you'll let me come home, I'll be me again. Now he's telling me the story. And like he's like getting emotional again. He says to me, he responded with two words that I will never forget for the rest of my life. She said, come home. He says, so Charlie, I'm leave here on Sunday night. I'm going to land in the airplane in the airport, wherever he's from. I don't want to say where he's from so nobody can tie knots back. Get in the cab. I'm not even going to go to my apartment. I'm going home. So moved by that story. So moved by that guy. You know, why is it that we start with Kul Nidre? What is a vow? A vow is a self-imposition. It's a restriction you place on yourself. What a vow is in the Jewish law basically is you can do something. You say, I'm not doing it. And as a result, that thing becomes forbidden to you. Vows are verbal blocks. They are the things we put around ourselves. It blocks us from who we were. Rabbis didn't miss it. They never miss it. The rabbis nailed it. What the rabbis are saying is Yom Kippur is not just like another day. And for sure, Yom Kippur is not just this like Amazon.god day in which you kiss up on Black Friday and he delivers more goodies to you. Yom Kippur is a day where you are alone with your dad in heaven, where he clears out the stuff that separates you, the food, the drink, the work, the comfort, all the physical body things. He just clears the way. And the real goal of Yom Kippur is to spend one day just being you, but the real you. Not the you that has to run to here and there and there. Not the you, that soul, that you. One day, all the failures and I'm threatened and I'm insecure. I'm not a good enough Jew and I didn't go to this background. I didn't have this. And when I was eight, this happened and I'm mad at God for this and I'm mad at God for that. And all the stuff, all the things that we have taken on this pure soul that we have that naturally wants to connect with the creative universe, that naturally wants to feel spiritual, that naturally wants to have a life that is connected at a deeper level than just survival. All of that we have, put upon ourselves for years. And one day, God says, come home. Be with me for a day. Talk to me for real. You're not apologizing to kiss up to me. You're just delving into the parts of yourself that has separated us and you're cleaning it out. Time for us to be together. To be together, you got to be you, the real you. So all that stuff, all the vows, if you will, it's annulled. 
Kazan stands up and says, all the stuff, God annulled it. You're clear. You're clear. All the regret, all that I should have, all the guilt, all the things you did right, all the things you just clear it out. Time to come home. If a Jew, it's hard, but if a Jew steps up and digs in and clears the, all that out and tries one day a year to come home, what he finds is that he's going to walk into the embrace of his father in heaven. There's nothing better than that. My blessings that we should be these people. We should be the true us. And this Yom Kippur really come home.